thanks for checking out the Long and Short of It podcast. You can find us on all good podcast platforms. Please consider following or subscribing. We hope you enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to the Long and Short of It, the podcast where we discuss each of the games in the Metacritic Top 100 list. My name's Lawrence and I'm joined by... I'm Dan. Good day to you. Good day to you. Spicing up a little bit, sprucing it up. Yeah. Thought we uh, we start with the same intro all the time, so why not throw some curveballs? Well, quite right. Are you are you well today? I am well. Are you well? I'm quite well, quite well indeed. It's been well, a, well, well. What what day? What day are we? We're on Wednesday, aren't we? Yes, we're on we're, Wednesday. We're, we're not used to recording on a Wednesday. Left it a bit nope. late this week, but alas. We've got quite a good game to talk about today, I feel, which kind of gives away our thoughts on it immediately. Um, However, this week we're going to be talking about Metal Gear Solid. Now, this is probably one of the most well-known game franchises in the world, I'd say. And... There were a few games that came out before Metal Gear Solid, but this really was the one that put it on the map for a lot of people and brought it to the public eye. So Metal Gear Solid was released in 1998 for the PlayStation. It's on the top 100 list at number 67 with a Metacritic score of 94. It was made by Hideo Kojima, who at the time was working at Konami. And is probably one of the most famous stealth action genre games of all time. Would you agree? Yeah, definitely. I think it, to me, when I think about stealth games, I think of Metal Gear, Splinter Cell and Hitman. Yeah, those are the the three kind of gold standard stealth action games, aren't they? Yeah, and I think so. I think... With this game, we've we've already covered same as when we did Halo Two. We've already done um, Halo One. Same here. We've already covered a Metal Gear game. However, we did it a little bit out of uh, out of Kilter. order. Yes, we first covered Metal Gear Solid Two on this podcast, and we we had mixed things to say about it, didn't Positive, we? I've always. I mean, we went quite in depth with the uh, discussion of the story and some of the wackier elements of the game, which mm. is actually about 50% of the game. Yeah, I, I've always held a very strong opinion on Metal Gear 2, and it's, sorry, Metal Gear Solid 2. Metal Gear 2 is a completely different game entirely. Indeed. But I've always had a very specific stance on MGS2, as you'll hear if you listen or have listened to that episode. Whereas with Metal Gear Solid, is probably one of my favourite games of all time. I'd say it's in my top five quite comfortably. So we'll start where we usually start with the history of this game. So this is a game that you and me both have a fair bit of history with. So why don't you tell us a little bit about your background with it? Yeah, my history with this game is a bit bit unusual, I'd say. So I didn't have a PS1 at the time. So my first introduction to this game was when Metal Gear Solid 3 Snake Eater was being publicised before release. 
there was also another Metal Gear Solid game being worked on for the GameCube, which was Metal Gear Solid The Twin Snakes, which is a Metal Gear Solid 1 remake. And I remember being not only excited about the look of Metal Gear Solid 3, even though I'd never played... Actually, I played Metal Gear Solid 2 um, for about a couple of hours until that point and got to the bit where I was defusing bombs and completely fell off. Um, but yeah, I like... Understandable. <laughs> yeah. I like the look of Metal Gear Solid 3, though, because obviously you've got the jungle vibes. And then there was this other game, um, which also looked really good from the screenshots, had this kind of green hue, and I really liked the uh, art style of the game. So I got MGS 3 first, and I kind of started working backwards. Then I got... My so I, so we originally had a GameCube between me and my brother, and then I got a GameCube for myself. And this was one of the first games that I got for it, Metal Gear Solid: The Twin Snakes. And I love Twin Snakes. I think it's um, quite an overlooked game, and I have been back and played the original MGS One, but I do prefer the Twin Snakes. Um, so yeah, that kind of uh, I've completed this game five or six times this probably at least five times um so yeah a lot of a lot of uh history playing this game i know the story well and i believe you do also yeah this is probably not one of my earliest video game memories playing this game which probably shouldn't be because it's quite a mature game but i um when I was a lot younger, I used to spend um, spend my weekends with my dad because my parents got divorced when I was quite young. And I remember walking back from somewhere um, when I was probably probably about 10, 10 or 11 maybe. And I, I don't know if, uh, if you listen out, I know you'll remember them, Dan. The old PlayStation magazines that you used to be able to get and you'd get demo discs. Yeah. Included. PSX or something I've, that they, it yeah called? I've still got I've, I've still got a huge amount of those uh, magazines I'm looking at them right now they're in the corner of the room and was it PSM uh, I've still got yeah I think it was PSX but there, there are a few different um few different magazines but I've, I've still got the Metal Gear Solid edition from 98 and I remember my dad saying oh I've got this cool new demo that you might might quite like and he was telling me all about it and I was getting really excited and we got back to his flats and we played the demo on the demo disc when you would you have and been younger than that because it came out in 98 we, didn't it yeah maybe he got hold of the demo a couple of years afterwards right okay because um, I, I don't think I would have been seven seven or eight at the time of playing it I think I would have been too young and I don't think I would have remembered it as clearly but anyone, a bit of a tangent, anyone that's of a certain age, i.e. around the same kind of age as me and Dan, anyone that was born kind of late 80s to the mid 90s, I, um, I recommend you go on YouTube and uh, give a search to the old demo, PlayStation demo disc soundtrack, because listening to that, it's uh, <laughs> it takes you down memory lane. It's a real nostalgia trip. But anyway... um played the demo i struggled with it because i was a child and this is a game for adults and it was only the section of the dock at the start and then when you go up to the helipad and crawl through the ventilation ducts that's all that's included in the demo and i remember playing it and getting a little bit hooked 
and ever since then i just loved it and to be quite honest i was always pretty bad at games when i was a child and i don't think that's really changed <laughs> much into my 20s but i remember getting horrifically stuck with this game and my least favorite boss battle of the entire probably the entire series is um the vulcan raven fight but the first one when he's in the m1 tank oh yeah because i i just couldn't do it and i don't know if you you were the same when you played games as a child there'd be bits that you get stuck on that weren't really that difficult but you'd work it up in your head that it was just an impossible task and it would get to a point where i'd be scared of doing it and i had that issue with the vulcan raven fight when i was younger until obviously i i did manage in the end at the age of at the age of 28 at the age of so so this happened two days ago this is last week defeated vulcan raven um but yeah and we, we kind of went into it a little bit when we discussed mgs2 that we both hold the series yeah. quite close to our hearts there have been some bad games in the series yeah and we'll get to them because mgs1 to 5 are on this list so yeah i think out of all the games that we've talked about so far and i think this is game 40 no 33 34 maybe that we've covered out of all those 34 games this is probably the highest on my personal list that we've talked about i think and you know that there'll be other games that crop up here and there that i also hold quite quite dear to my heart but this one really does have a special place and yeah there's just something about this game so you um mentioned a moment ago that you played two versions of this game and one of your your favorite way of playing it is playing the twin snakes version which is a remake that came out on the gamecube yeah with the engine of metal gear solid 2 and 3 so obviously um mgs1 as i said was released in 1998 and it's got a very particular look about it and the the remake twin snakes basically just updated it all it was running on a smoother engine it was running on next gen hardware and it looks a lot smoother there are things about the twin snakes that i'm a little bit not too sure about but i've only ever played a bit of it but you played that version for this podcast didn't you? yeah so that's the version i've completed multiple times um yeah it's, it's kind of like um the engines between mgs2 and mgs3 i'd say i'd say the quality is between it it looks better than mgs2 but it doesn't quite have the detail that mgs3 has um Mm. but it looks very very smooth and i think i mean i I know that um some people aren't a fan of there's there's a couple of cutscenes in there that people don't like what they did with um i mean when he's fighting the hind d so yeah when 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 he (laughs) when he uh backflips off a missile (laughs) But then I would say to anyone that says that, <laughs> I would say this is the series where you have a sword fight on top of uh, Federal Hall and then Ryden jumps down into New York streets in his sneaking suit and no one bats an eyelid at him. So <laughs> I think these games are, I mean, maybe maybe um, 10 years ago, I would have thought that these games were quite serious, but I think they're quite campy. Um, so I say, I'd say that it's all within the realms of MGS. And this was a Kojima-approved game. Um, apparently, he was um, very impressed with what they did with the Twin Snakes. And in terms of the cutscenes, I'd say 
the animation work is on par with uh, that of MGS3 and I just love watching the cutscenes in MGS3 and Twin Snakes. I think they're so well done, so well animated that you can just get lost in them. So yeah, uh, and, and the other thing with Twin Snakes is that they transported features from MGS2, so the magazines. Um, first person view. Yeah, first person view, which makes a big difference because obviously in MGS2... It kind of breaks the game, really, let's be honest. I mean, uh, it, uh, in, in what way? Well, because M- MGS2 was very much desi- designed around the fact that you had a first person view as the you know one of the main functions of the game whereas MGS1 wasn't designed that way it was always a um a top down kind of game and one section comes to mind straight away is when you're uh, going towards the control room in the metal gear hangar and you're running along and in the PS1 version which is the version I played for this um this episode there's a guard right at the bottom that you don't see whereas with the twin snakes, you just can first person, like, oh, there's someone there, and bang. And I say it breaks the game. Maybe, maybe that's unfair, but I think it's there are a lot of things that have been added to this game that changes the DNA of it slightly. Do you know where I'm coming from? I don't. I don't necessarily agree because I think the environments are very small anyway. So yeah, I'd be very surprised if anyone used first person viewpoint for that long it is still much easier and much quicker to not use it. And in some of the... I mean, this is the other thing. In some of the boss fights, you, you if you use first-person view, the, the time it takes to go into first-person view, you just get kicked before you can aim. So you can't do it. Mm. Um, so, and, and in terms of... What, what I don't think you're taking into account with the hangar, for example, is that this is an old console and... The further away the person is, hangers a big room. Um, so the further away the person is, the less likely you're going to get that headshot in. Um, so I, I, I've certainly never used it there. So I don't know. Uh, maybe some people would, but it wasn't my gameplay style. And and you've got to remember that I played it first on Twin Snakes, so I wasn't really inclined to do that. I suppose so. Yeah, that. I think that's probably an important point to make that obviously this this version was your introduction version I suppose to this yeah. game whereas mine was the you know the the more bare bones version I suppose uh and yeah that that's a very good point but yeah I mean it's that there's certainly with this game there's certainly a lot of baggage with it and as well as that, I think it's very hard to find things to say about Metal Gear Solid that haven't been said before. With that being said, do you want to kind of give a brief synopsis of the story? As I've said, this isn't the first in the Metal Gear series, but this is really the jumping on point for, I'd say, about 75% of Metal Gear fans. So do you want to kind of give a brief overview of... Um, the events of this game. Yes. You are Solid Snake. <clears throat> you are living in Alaska. And you're basically called out of retirement by your old colonel who is no longer a colonel anymore. And you're tasked with this mission involving Metal Gear, involving the colonel's niece Merrill, 
and basically there are a group of terrorists called Foxhound that have taken over um, Shadow Moses and if they do not get is it a billion dollars um yeah a billion dollars like and big boss's body so they can have access to his dna then they will unleash a nuclear bomb um so your job is to go in there and take out this this group save meryl the colonel's niece and disable slash destroy metal gear and how that proves to happen is unbeknownst to snake before i uh, spoilers by the way um unbeknownst to snake before the mission starts he has been injected with a virus called fox die and fox die it only um infects certain people so throughout the course of the game some of the people you meet will have these mysterious heart attacks they start putting two two and two together and they realize that snake has infected them um eventually you kind of come into contact with the groups the terrorist groups leader who is liquid snake who is <laughs> oh when you say these stories out loud it just sounds ridiculous yeah. <laughs> um who is snake's clone brother um and based on the dna of big boss and eventually you have a face-off with liquid snake turns out that you have received big boss's regressive genes and he has received Big Boss's dominant genes. Um, eventually, you end up activating the nuke, which is great. And you have to then destroy Metal Gear, which I suppose was inevitable. And Snake escapes. And depending on your ending, you either... The Snake Escape. <laughs> what? The, the Snake Escape. Great film with Steve McQueen. Snake escape. That is, yeah, I have, I've heard that's an Academy Award winner. Um, <laughs> yeah, it is, absolutely. Uh, so depending on how you play the game, there is a sequence, which I'm sure we'll touch on, where you can either escape with Meryl in hand or with Otacon in hand. Um, and then you just basically ride off into the plains of Alaska. And it turns out that there was a third clone twin brother called Solidus who is also the president of the United Sna Snakes <laughs> president of the United Snakes yeah United absolutely. Snakes as we said in the MGS2 episode yeah, yeah there we go it's um, it's ridiculous when you say it aloud yeah it is and i feel that MGS1 is probably one of the more serious games it does it plays it straight it yeah. plays it straight but when you when you when you do think about the story too much or trying to explain to a non-fan, <laughs> you can imagine their reaction. Well, there's um there's a YouTuber called um, George we uh, Weedman from um, a channel called Super Bunny Hop, and yeah. he's done a video. I think you've watched them as well. He's done videos yeah. on all of the Metal Gear games, and when he got to MGS3, he made the same point that you mentioned earlier that these games they're just they're just camp. Yes. Yeah. It's like silly 1960s Bond-esque kind of camp. And it works. And I think it works quite well is because in a lot of the games, it's like you say, it's played straight. And as you go through the series, it gets a little bit more bombastic. You've got MGS4 with Johnny Sasaki, who <sighs> is the comic relief of the series, who always has diarrhea. And then in Peace Walker, <laughs> you can go on these 
weird side missions where Snake hunts down a talking cat, and it's it's a very bizarre series. But I think that comes from its creator. Kojima is a very off the wall kind of guy, and as well as that, I think it's fair to say that a lot of um, Japanese media, particularly games, it does bombastic stuff quite well. It you know it's got a um a certain camp to it and you see that quite a lot across japanese games i mean we're well i say we're both playing you've recently finished playing persona 5 royal and i'm currently playing through it for the podcast and there's quite a lot of campy stuff in there as yeah. well isn't it it's yeah you know it's a style it comes, isn't it yeah absolutely and no, nobody does that better than the japanese like it's perfect do you know how I describe it? I'd, I'd say when I first, because I was a bit older than you when I first played, I, w- I would have been, it came out in 2004. I played it not too long after release, so I'd have been 14 um, and you'd have been a bit younger than me. I mm. think it's the kind of thing when you're that age, it's super cool. But when you look back on it when you're 30, you start to realise, mm, maybe I can understand why Kojima was a failed filmmaker. Um, yeah. And and why gaming is the perfect medium for him and where you can kind of overlook these things in a game which has good gameplay versus a film where... I mean, imagine these things as films. I just... Well, what? apparently they're, they're, they're making one, aren't they? And I really don't see any need to oh. because the Metal Gear Solid games work well as interactive stories like the all of the cutscenes for MGS one, you can watch that on YouTube without any of the gameplay, and yeah. you can watch it as a film. It's great as long as you don't take it too seriously, and and it's one of those things that it just feels like it's being made because it'll make money. Same as uh, what is it? Um, James Khan was in the Godfather. Yeah, was was saying about the Godfather Part Three when you're making um, a sequel or you're making a piece of media attached to the original story. Fifteen. 20 years later you're not doing it to increase the um you know the landscape of the media you're doing it to make money yeah i agree it it's a shame to see stuff like that and you could say the exact same thing about metal gear solid survive or metal gear survive or whatever it was called that konami pumped out after they um they binned off kojima it's it's a shame but we haven't yet touched on a lot of the stuff that this game brought to the table. Now, obviously, the the version that you first played in 2004, the Twin Snakes, by that point, a lot of the stuff that this game did yeah. was not industry standard, but it wasn't as, like, whoa, this is, this is insane. I mean, a lot and, of the stealth elements have been done better by Splinter Cell by that point. Yeah. Um, I think Splinter Cell is a better pure stealth game, but I think, obviously it's got no real storyline. So if you want the storyline, you've got to come to Metal Gear. That's it. And there are a few really standout things that I can I can bring up with Metal Gear. The first is the voice acting. Yeah. I think really this was one of the first games that did voice acting and, you know, cutscenes to a point where it did feel like a like a film. In game cutscenes as well. Yeah, absolutely. And some of the standouts, obviously, and we probably mentioned Mei Ling. the MGS2 episode, the racial stereotype of Mei Ling, absolutely. <laughs> Bad. But 
with with those kind of something else that Twin Snakes fixed, thankfully. Yeah, the, with the, the same racial, actress. Yeah, the racial stereotype. It's just bad it. because it's the same actress, but obviously that actress does not speak with that stereotype accent. Yeah. So they've just asked her to speak normally, and it sounds great in Twin Snakes. Well, one of the, I think one of the well, there's a few standout performances in this game. I think David Hater and yeah, obviously David Hater. And I think that we'll talk a lot more about David Hater when we get to talking about MGS5, because obviously yeah. there was the huge controversy with him being um, switched out for Keith Sutherland. But a couple more that really stand out in terms of the voice acting for the time is I never know their names because I know a please lot of them use pseudonyms. Please don't say Liquid Snake. No, okay. I, I I really like his voice, but it's, it's very it's the worst English accent. It's over it's the top. Awful, shocking. It, it, it's it's bad, but it's so. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? It's just so recognisable. Like it oh, is, dear brother. Like you just know that that's Liquid Snake, and it's amazing. It's awful, but it yeah, is, is camp, isn't it? Um. But the the two that really do stand out for me are Psycho Mantis, oh, yeah, particularly great. when he loses his mask. Doug something um, is the person who plays him. Doug, Doug Stone. Something. Yeah, maybe that's right. Yeah, it's Doug something. I definitely. think that's it. Um, but yeah, Psycho Mantis, 100%. And also the actress that voices Sniper Wolf. Oh, yeah. It's, it's not an amazing accent, but what she does... She might be foreign. She might actually be foreign. I'm not sure. Well, th- what what she does when you beat her for the second time and she's dying and she talks about how um, Saladin, which is, of course, Big Boss, came to save her. It's really moving. And you didn't see those kind of cutscenes or very rarely saw cutscenes and voice acting like that before Metal Gear Solid yeah. did it. And I think it's worth mentioning that some of the voice acting in this game has... You know, I'd say it's been surpassed now. Obviously, with with so many years ahead, but it, it still really does stand out. You know, twenty odd so. years later. I think um, other standouts are Naomi and Meryl. Um, I think. Uh, what, do you not like them? No. <laughs> I wonder. I can't remember. They might. Meryl have, uh, actually, yeah. Yeah, I, I really like, um, and, I, and I like Naomi's as well. Um, it's quite dry. And yeah, I suppose uh, when she's talking about uh, Grey Fox and when he came to save her from that village, yeah, the whole story arc of Grey Sox, Grey Sox, <laughs> Grey Fox. <laughs> um, That's but, a better yeah. name. They should rename him for the film there. Grey Sox, Socks. <laughs> Grey Fox's arc in this story is probably my favourite thing about this game. I really like his character, and I'm just gutted that there isn't more about him in the series other than you know important metal Bob's gear and... one and two i think he was in wasn't he yeah um but yeah another thing that really stands out in this game is obviously the fight with um psycho mantis yeah and i mean anyone that hadn't played this game before and was playing it for the first time on the ps1 it kind of blows your mind a little bit that the the game was designed in such a way that it would feel like um Psycho Mantis was manipulating your console and you were trying to put button inputs in and you weren't able to until the kernel calls you and says try try putting your controller into the second controller port. 
Yeah. And, you know, reading your memory cards, like, oh, you like to play Castlevania and, you know, a few different games for the Nintendo. And I think those are the the small details that really make the the Metal Gear games and Kojima games in general stand out. Uh, and a, another one is um, when you try and contact Meryl for the first time and President Baker says, oh, I can't remember her codec number. It's on the back of the package. On the back of the CD case. And... Which, but, but, uh, so they said package in the GameCube version. And I think I've told this story in the MGS2 episode. I had no clue what they were talking yeah. about. Package could mean anything. So I thought, okay, have I... And this wasn't a time where you could just look things up. No. I thought, have I, have I missed something here? What's this package that they're referencing? So eventually my solution was, as we had to do back then, just going through every single codec <laughs> number until I found Meryl. So that's what I did. Yeah. It's, you know, stuff like that, it's it's so obvious now, but you look back then and you're just like, what? It's crazy. But, yeah. alas, it's, it's, it's a great game with some very interesting elements to it. And so... On the GameCube, um, Psychomantis moves your controller um, with the rumble feature. He says, put your controller flat down on, on any surface and then obviously the rumble feature will move it so that's yeah, cool as well that that's um you've got that on the ps1 as well so long as you're using an analog controller because obviously this game came out at a time when not everyone had the analogs yeah um you still had just the the one with the, the d-pad and the buttons on which I've, I've still got one of those controllers i love it not to use but just for nostalgia um so gameplay is king as usual the first question that we ask here is is this game fun what do you think I mean, this this is the part where I think Twin Snakes differs most from the original. I mean, you've just got more options. Yeah. Um, it so you can you can now hold people up. You can um, you can drag bodies. You can put them in lockers. So if you enjoyed MGS two, you're going to enjoy Twin Snakes, and I I really enjoy it. I think it's a lot of fun, and I finished that playthrough thinking. I want to go through and play through again and do another dog tag run, which um, I've done before. And yeah, so I really enjoyed it. And, and the boss fights as well. They, they There's a lot of variety here. And then there's a section where you're rappelling down the side of uh, one of the towers. The communication tower. Yeah. So yeah, I, I think it's um, a lot of fun to play. Um, I, I, I suppose there's a caveat there. And there's the caveat which you've mentioned a few times which is um, your friend played the game who's never played the game before and went, oh, back James, and played the, yeah. went back and played the PS1 version and really struggled with it. Um, so you've got to consider that even if you're playing Twin Snakes, it's still a game from 2004. That's still 16, 17 years ago now. Yeah. Um, so I think if you go back with the, the right mindset, you'll, you'll have fun with this. Um, but... Don't necessarily expect all the mods and cons of modern games. Yeah, I'd agree. It's I I find this game incredibly fun because I know everything about it. There isn't too much about Metal Gear Solid that I miss because I played it so many times. I've researched it so much. You know, it's just one of those games that's ingrained in my head. But for someone new, like we just mentioned with uh, James, friend of the podcast, if you're listening, 
good day. It was... It's one of those things that if you don't know a lot about this game or you've not played it before or, you know, all of those different elements, you might struggle with it. Because like you said, this is an old game and particularly if you're playing the PS1 version because you can't play it anywhere else really. And you and me were no. talking about this the other day. The only places that you can play it are on the PS1, um, the PSX, which is even older than the PS1 I think or I'm not I don't know too much about the PSX. Is I thought the PSX was a bit newer. I oh, know the PS1 uh, the PS1 was the the so original was the PlayStation, wasn't it? It was just yeah. called PlayStation. The PS1 was the slimline version. PSX, what was that? I don't know. I actually. think it was a Japanese console. Right. But I think that's that was one of the the, the main consoles it came out on, but you can only play this on PlayStation or PS1 or the PSX, or um, if you PS2. get the, yeah, on the PS2 backwards compatibility, or if on the PS3 you get the Metal Gear Solid Legacy Collection new, and there's a, a code to um, to download or you Metal can, Gear Solid 1 for the PS3. You can put, if you've got the old the older PS3, you can put the disc, oh no, even the newer ones, all PS3s, you can just put the PS1 disc in and it'll play. Yep. Um, and if you absolutely hate yourself, you can also play it on the Vita. And what was your experience like playing it on the Vita? I played it for about five minutes before turning it off because I died two times in the first screen. Uh, it's just, it's not very intuitive with the controls. Um, it's, don't play this game on the Vita, is my advice. Um, but yeah, what's your, what's your favourite thing to do on this game? Um... Ooh. That is a uh, so I, I I know where it is. So um I said to you, I know I know that you're not as big a fan of these and um maybe it's the GameCube that makes them a bit more enjoyable. Um and that's the sniper battles. I really mm. like the sniper battles and I love the sniper battle with the end as well in MGS three. I like that so, battle. Yeah, so I'm a big fan of sniper battles in game, I'm a big fan of the sniper games as well. Um and this is kind of the fundamentals are here in um, MGS. You've got, you can use the pantazimine, panzetazimine or whatever it is, um, yeah. to, to steal your aim. And you've got either a tranquilizer rifle or um, proper sniper rifle. In the Twin Snakes version. Yes. Uh, and you can take out um, Sniper Wolf. And yeah, especially the one in the field. I think that's a lot of fun. Yeah, um, the, the, yeah. the one... In the, I don't know what you call that area. The, like, the first fight with Sniper yeah. Wolf, I don't like because there's just no cover and you've got to get in a very specific position. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I'm not a huge fan of the sniper fights, but I, I can understand why you would enjoy them. I think. Yeah, I just like um, the idea. It's, I mean, sometimes in in the the boss battles you get overrun. I mean, Psycho Mantis. I really like some of the conceptual stuff behind it, but the actual fight especially on the GameCube where you're constantly switching controller ports because you've got four controller ports on the GameCube. Mm. Um, it gets a bit annoying. Um, but yeah, I, I really like that fight because it's quite slow paced and you can be a bit patient with it. And you, you're not you like being... the Vulcan Raven fight too, don't you? The second. Yeah, one. I like, I, 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 well, I mean, I'm, I'm not bothered about the fights with Vulcan Raven, but I like the, I really like the character. I think mm. the character's brilliant. Um, I think it's, I mean, we'll, we'll get to this later because we've got a bit of a discussion about bosses. 
Yeah. So I'll save that for then. Sure. I mean, f- for myself, I think my favourite thing in this game is to mess with the guards because there there were just so many things that were put into this game, again, that hadn't really been done before, where if you knock on a wall that's nearby to a guard, they'll say, huh, what was that noise? And they'll come and... Um, hey, you know, come shut and... up in there, will you? <laughs> Johnny Sasaki, your favourite character. <laughs> but yeah you can get them away from their <sighs> from their routine and their guard posts and then if you run around in it's a shame these things only crop up a few times in the game like with the with the snow with the footprints that if yeah. you run in an area where a guard is and you leave snow footprints they'll say oh, whose footprints are these and they'll, they'll investigate and that only happens like once in the game sadly um and you know what what's in the cardboard box what's in the box what's in the box you know, it's, I think, stuff like that. It's just the small details. Details, yeah. I, I, I really love that about the Metal Gear franchise, and particularly with this game, because it was just so... And then with so C4, you can you can lay C4 and do the old domino effect. You can. Um, and also plant one on their backs as well, the guards. <laughs> it's, yeah. The, Basically, the, the, it's a game that encourages you to try things out. And more often than not, it will pay off. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's a fun time, and there's a lot about this game to like. So, the question of the week, um, you came up with this week's question, which is talking about the, um, you mentioned the Foxhound unit, which is uh, each Metal Gear Solid game has a group of antagonists. So in Metal Gear Solid 1, you've got the Foxhound unit, Metal Gear Solid 2, it's the Sons of Liberty. MGS3, it's the... What were they called? They had a different name as well, didn't they? Um, what, the, um, the Sons of Liberty? It, yeah. They had... Um, oh. there, was a, there was a name for Fat Man, Vamp, mm. and Fortune. I can't remember. Peter Stillman. Yeah, that's it. Dead Cell. Yeah. Um, so yeah, MGS2, you've got Dead Cell. You've got the, the group in MGS3... Um, the it's based on emotions isn't it i can't remember the name of their their group either yeah i can't remember no nor me they're and not that memorable memorable a bunch no and then mgs4 you've got the beauty and the beast unit yeah so the question of the week is out of those four games because mgs5 doesn't really have the same kind of thing it has those like zombie soldiers doesn't it but yeah they yeah, weren't they suck they weren't great no um so, out of those four games, which do you think is the best unit um, of antagonists and why? So, I suppose it's a question of which game has the best boss battles, but also which game has the best stories Characters. behind those bosses. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, I'm going to go in reverse order. I think, actually, I'm going to put MGS3 last. Now, I love, like I said, I love the, the battle with the end. But none of the characters really have that interesting backstories apart from the sorrow. And mm. the rest of them, I mean, you've got the pain, which has got the, the bees. And the sorrow, you've got the the really annoying walk down the stream. Yeah. <laughs> that's, a, that's a really great boss battle there. Um, and then you've got, um, is it the fury with the, the flamethrower? 
Yeah, the Fury is the astronaut with the flamethrower, which yeah. is quite a difficult boss fight if you play. Yeah, that's, that one's all right. It's a bit different. And then um, fear. Yeah. So these guys don't have much of a backstory. I think the end is the highlight of them. Um, but the, the, apart from that, apart from the names being quite punchy, I wouldn't say there's much about them. Now, I don't think. Um, I think that the problem the next one up would be MGS4 Beauties and. and Beauty and the Beast. Are they Beauties and the Beast? or Beauty and the Beast unit. Beauty and the Beast unit, right. So, they all look too similar, number one. Um, but they do have interesting backstories when you get there. Um, so, I think they are just a step above um, MGS3 because usually the way that you fight these bosses is fairly interesting. But So, to me, it comes down to backstories, really. Yeah. Um, number two is Dead Cell. You've got some really interesting backstories in there. Um, Fat Man and uh, and Fortune have got really interesting backstories, and Vamp's just enigmatic. And obviously, Vamp becomes a staple character in the game anyway. Um, but for me, hands down, the winner is MGS One. You've got, <laughs> with the with with the exception of the dud that is Decoy, Oct- Decoy Octopus, Octopus, who's got a stupid name and dies of a heart attack in a non-boss battle. Um, yeah, apart from that, they're all great. Yeah, as you said, we've got Psychomantis, you've got Sniper with the Sniper Battles, um, Vulcan Raven, who is described as being giant and shaman, and I can attest is giant and shaman. <laughs> so he's one of my favourites from a stylistic standpoint, from a, the, the voice work... Just the fact that you've got this, I mean, I'm all for um, representation in games and this is a, a character that's an Inuit and just this massive guy and uh, he's got an interesting story to tell and the way that he interacts with Snake is really, really interesting, probably more interesting than any of the other characters in that game and there's that moment in MGS2 where you've got the model of Vulcan Raven and the shadow on the wall and it tries to lead you to think that you're going to be fighting Vulcan Raven again. And I would have been up for that. I would have wanted to fight him again. Um, Yeah, so I think hands down the best group is MGS1. What do you think? Slightly different to your list. In fourth place, I'd put Dead Cell just because there's just not much about MGS2 that I like that much. I think Fat Man somewhat interesting backstory but laugh and grow fat laugh and grow fat <laughs> but he's just there for comic relief it feels fortune that is a life motto to live by it is um fortune i just thought was very meh vamp is a standout and i quite like solid as snakes character um as president of the united snakes of america <laughs> um but i like I, how patient solidus's character is Yes. That he'll wait for you to have a long codec conversation on the yes, roof of he, Federal he won't, he won't Hall. Put in. Yeah, no, he just lets you let you get on with that. But yeah, it's I polite. think I think Dead Cell from MGS2 are the weakest in my opinion. Then I'd probably say um, the the unit from MGS3. There there are some good boss fights in that game. The Fury is frustrating and difficult, 
and I think the fight with the end is always a standout. And obviously, if you decide to kill the end early on in the game, you end up fighting the Ocelot unit instead. And I yeah. quite like Ocelot's um, inclusion in the game. Obviously, he's not part of the unit um, itself, but he, he's there, and I kind of class him as part of that group, same as in MGS1. He's not really a part of Foxhound itself. He's but... there in MGS2 as well, isn't he? So Exactly. He's... He's always there as a double, triple, quadruple agent, and it's all very confusing. But yeah, I put MGS3 in third place. In second place, I put MGS4. Now, I, I, I can never quite decide on which game I dislike more, MGS4 or MGS2. And I know that you, you quite like MGS4 for a few different I like reasons. I really strongly like aspects of 4, but then there are other aspects of 4 that I don't like. But overall, yeah. I, I'm... There's, there's there's one plot strand that really keeps me coming back to it. Yeah. Uh, and we'll, we'll, we'll get to that when we discuss yeah. MGS4 itself. It, it, it'll be an interesting episode. But I think the Beauty yeah. and the Beast unit are... They're so unique because they're so different from all of the other games. And you don't have a relationship with any of these characters. There's nothing where you'll, you'll bump into them a few times. They are just there as boss fights. But like you say, the backstory behind a lot of them really interesting and dark yeah it's very dark and i think they've got interesting um you know things around them and the the way that you fight them i think is is quite cool it's one of the the few things about mgs4 that i quite like yeah and then same as you in first place i'd put mgs1 there's um I i think it's unmatched in terms of the amount of time and thought that went into these characters and particularly their their stories when you beat them the the story that raven gives you before he dies i mentioned earlier sniper wolf talking about how big boss saved her psychomantis talking about his childhood and his father it's um you know it, it's something quite quite special and i mean the, the biggest standout in that game for me in terms of antagonists is gray fox as we said earlier or gray socks he's he's kind of like I, an anti-hero isn't he he is and i really really wish there was more stuff about gray fox in the series because it's just so, like when you learn about his backstory and what happened to him and being tested on by dr clark who will also come back to when we discuss mgs3 and 4 there's just so much to gray fox that could be explored but just hasn't really been He's kind of just there as an antagonist in MG, uh, Metal Gear 1, I think, or Metal Gear 2. I'm not sure which one on the um, on the on the older generation of consoles from, yeah. the, from the 80s. But Is it the Amiga or something? No, it's... Uh, I can't remember. Commodore 64? No, it's not the Commodore. It's, it's, it's a bit of a fringe console. But, yeah, I think MGS1 wins that hands down. And... You know, there's the relationships that Snake has with these characters as well is something, particularly when you've played all the other games and you see the thread of um, Revolver Ocelot through the games and how he he ties into the series. It's it's something that's done very well, and I don't think that has been um, well, no, it has been acknowledged, but I think that's one of Kojima's stronger points with the Metal Gear games. The the story of the 
the relationships between all of the um, antagonists and how they all kind of tie into each other through the different games in the series. Yeah. So, in terms of the critics then, we discussed earlier that this game comes in at number 67 on the list. So I think this comes in one of the bottom positions for the Metal Gear games on this list. It's beaten by MGS2 being the top MGS game and then MGS5 and I'm yeah, not sure about but below it, below it are four and three. Mad. So yeah, the fact that MGS Five sits above this. Oh, don't get me started. Crazy. <laughs> That'll be an interesting episode. Oh dear. So this game came out in 1998, and obviously you're looking at this from a different kind of yeah, um, yeah, different kind of perspective than I am because you played a more modern version, and that's your background with the series. But do you think that the critics got this one correct? Yeah, I, I do. Um, it's a game, it's probably one of the games that I've completed most. And it's a yeah. game that I do like to go back to every now and again. I think I'll go back to it again within the next couple of years to do, as I said, a, a dog tag run. One thing that I remember, I, that surprises me about this game um, is how small it is. Yes. Yeah. Um, like the, the area that you play in, like, you've really only got a handful of medium-sized rooms that are connected to each other, and then you've got cutscenes interspersing that. But it really is a small game. I mean, I don't think MGS2 is that big a game, but it it dwarfs uh, MGS1, and then they kind of got bigger from then on in. Um, So it's really a, a small game that you can complete very quickly, but I think that's to its... Uh, that's in its favour. So yeah, I mean, I I I would put this probably in my top twenty-five. Okay. Yes. That's, Which that's is higher than the critics would have uh, rated it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I agree with you. I think this game has got a very important place on the um, the top one hundred list, and similar to what we discussed when we talked about um, Zelda or Karina of Time. I think this is an important game and it might yeah. not be the best game in the series or the game with the the most heightened mechanics or you know the, the best tweaked game but it's the most important game of this series and I think it's a very important game for gaming in general particularly gaming of um the stealth action genre uh, genre and also of games that want to tell an in-depth story with cutscenes and voice acting it's really really stand out in my opinion and like i said earlier at the start of this episode this game holds a very special place in my heart and like i said this is this is in my top five um probably it could, could even be in my top three i'd say in fact you know what i'll go out and say this is my second favorite game of all time bold, bold um, move it is and obviously we all know what my number one is and we'll get to that one day but this um tomba yeah this this game's special to me tomba and is that, that your number one what's that tomba tomba bloody love tomba but uh alas no if you've been listening to this podcast for long enough you know what my favorite game of all time is sadly missing from the list but yeah. yes we will um we'll get to you know games after we finish the top 100 and Final Fantasy VII will most certainly be there, and that will most certainly be a long episode, I imagine. 
but yeah, I suppose that covers everything for Metal Gear Solid. Is there anything that you think we we haven't mentioned that we should chuck in before we uh before we before we finish? The only thing I was going to say is that I'd just be we don't have this information, but I'd be intrigued to see what the sales were like over the course of the mainline MGS series if MGS1 was indeed the best-selling one and then it kind of um went down from there or if it went up i'd just be intrigued to know that but yeah that was my only last thought there you go that's some homework for you you can uh yes do some googling so yeah that covers metal gear solid i've really enjoyed going back to this game it's one of those games i'd go back to every every couple of years just to experience it again so next time it is Dan's choice. We've um, we've kind of spoken a little bit about how February is going to pan out for yeah. us, and we've got um, we've got all the the next few games lined up. Should we um, should we announce the dates of the next two? Just to, uh, yeah, we talked you know about the other game already. Yeah, yeah, so, you know them off the top of your head. So go ahead. So on the eighteenth of February, in two weeks' time, we will be releasing an episode around. Splinter Cell, Pandora Tomorrow. Unfortunately, Splinter Cell 1 got kicked off the list. Um, So we start with Pandora Tomorrow. And on the 25th of February will be the big one. Um, We've both been playing the ginormous Persona 5 Royal. So that will be on the 25th of February. And then afterwards, obviously, we'll reveal later games. But yeah, so that's the next couple of episodes on the 18th and the 25th of February, so mark your calendars now. Yeah, we've we've uh, we've not really thought much past Persona 5 Royal. Like like we say, you completed it a few weeks ago, didn't you? You blasted through it, but I've still in about a week and a half. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I've um, I'm about 55 hours in, maybe a little bit more. So I've still got about 40 or 50 hours left before uh, <laughs> before I hit the credits. So uh, I've got quite a lot of work to do. But yeah, next game being Splinter Cell Pandora tomorrow. So two stealth games in succession, you lucky Yeah, fans. that'd be interesting conversation point, I'm sure. Absolutely. As usual, you can always reach out to us via email at the long and short of it podcast at hotmail.com. You can get us on Twitter, on Instagram, on the Facebook. I think we're on some other things. Are we on some other things? I don't know. I've, I've lost track. I'm going mad. But... Yeah, if if you want to leave us some feedback or, you know, you want to let us know how we're getting on or give us an idea of any games that you think that we might enjoy playing at some point, that would be greatly appreciated. We love getting stuff in from you guys. So, yeah, we hope you've enjoyed our discussion on Metal Gear Solid and we'll see you in two weeks for Splinter Cell Pandora tomorrow. Anything else from you? Nope, see you in two weeks. Cheerio. Bye-bye.